It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Whether I'm ready or not, we're back. Hour number three of Green and Growing and a lot of calls lined up. 404-872-0750. I love trying to help everybody out and we help each other out too. A lot of times if I don't give a sufficient answer, many of you will call and have an addendum to something that I said. So I always welcome that on the show. Glad to be here with you on a Saturday morning. Hopefully you have some good relaxing weekend plans and maybe that involves football. I think the Falcons play tomorrow. We've got the best of the Georgia Bulldogs today, beginning at noon. If you need your Georgia football fix right now, this very weekend, you'll get it right here on your home of the dogs beginning at noon, right after Dave Baker and the home fix it show. 404-872-0750. Good morning to Rick calling from Covington, Georgia. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Ashley. How are you doing today? Very good. Better now that I've heard from you. What's going on? I hear you. you. Let me tell you first, you've been doing a wonderful job. I appreciate all the information that you and Walter, Walter in the past and you in the future uh, have given me and helped me out a bunch. But Thank I've got a question you. about gardenias. Sure, go ahead. I planted two gardenias for my mom years ago before she passed away. They were her favorite flowers. They're getting a little crazy now. I want to know when the best time is to trim them down and how low can I trim them down where they'll thrive again next year. You know, I'm glad you asked because my best friend's husband sent me a picture just a few days ago of a gardenia. And the picture wasn't great, so I was thinking it was a boxwood. But then once I said, well, does it flower? Does it have very fragrant white flowers? And he's like, I don't know. Let me ask Samantha. And sure enough, yes, it does. So that is a gardenia. We know we love them. They smell great. So anything like that, Rick, a very good rule of thumb. I'm going to go into some what ifs, but a very good rule of thumb about pruning is right after it flowers. So the best time to do any major pruning, you can cut it back to like three quarters of its size. So you would almost reduce it by 60, 70% of the size it is now. I know they can be five, six feet tall, um, is right after it blooms. So say July or August, most likely is when you want to do the heaviest pruning. Right now it is possible to do some, but the reason we don't want to do more any later than now is because, you know, when you prune something, it wants to shoot off new growth, right? It's got all this energy. So it's trying to compensate for what you've just pruned. We don't want to leave new growth susceptible to like a winter frost. And, you know, we could have that as, as early as mid or late October. We just don't know. So any mild pruning you want to do now, you certainly can. I wouldn't remove any more than a fourth though. So just some of the straggly parts. Yeah. Some of the parts that are bothering you, you could do now. Yeah, that's Yep, yep. So get out there with, and, and I recommend hand pruners too, you know, lobbers or loppers or however you say it. Uh, recommend those rather than hedge trimmers or something because you're just going to get a much nicer, cleaner shape. So, yeah, is that something you could just take away a little bit, like no more than 25% now? Thank you very much. You have a wonderful day. Great. Thank you, Rick. Good to hear your call. So, yeah, most of the pruning done after something like that flowers. Uh, a little bit now, but like I said, you just don't want to invigorate too much new growth that's going to be susceptible to um, a frost. And you can also try to shape it up a little bit uh, in early summer if if need be. But again, you don't want to cut away the parts where it has set buds and it's already ready to flower. Up next, our second call from the morning in Cartersville. Hey, good morning, Barry. Thanks for calling. Hi, Ashley. Thanks for taking our call. Yeah, welcome. Um, we have um, 
great myrtles that uh, we have three of them that uh, this year and last year did not bloom. And they have a, like a, it looks like a fungus or something on the leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it doesn't start out in the spring with the fungus. They look fine when they first leaf out, but then they uh, develop that. So your timeline, you laying that out for me, is perfect because early summer is when we start to see aphids. And so what the aphids are doing, they suck the sap out of the leaves and the plant, and that's how they feed on on any plants and crepe myrtles being a really common one. And then when they excrete said sap that they have eaten, that's the black that you see on the leaves. So a more polite name for that is sooty mold. That's what we call it. So you can almost wipe it off with your thumb a little bit, but when you think about what it is, you probably don't want to do that. But um, that's what it is. You can, though. You're right. (laughs) Yeah. So they'll kind of like come to the top of the leaf and and leave the sap behind that they've eaten. And so that's what that is, the sooty mold. So when you still see them in really good form, Barry, like you said, in the spring and nothing's gone, you know, nothing's gone wrong yet, that's when aphids uh-huh. are really starting their life cycle. So staying on top of that, like when you start to see any signs of aphids and you see them on the undersides of the leaves, blasting them off with a water hose is the easiest, most effective, most organic way to treat them. And I know a lot of people have tall crepe myrtles, so that's not always ideal to be shooting the jet stream above your head. So there are systemic insecticides, which means it goes through the entire plant that's going to prevent um, aphids. So you can start thinking about that and applying it early, like in the spring. Okay. That's going to you know, c- control the aphids before they become a problem, and that will not affect the plant you know, blooming and flowering out and all of that. So you're safe to do that. Okay. Then um, it wouldn't do any good to do that now then, wait till spring? Yeah, correct? yeah. now is not really going to do you any good. And crepe myrtles are kind of on the way out anyways. They're fading a little bit. Um, and no need for pruning, mm-hmm. no need for really nothing right now with the crepe myrtles. I would just let them be. But get ahead of it before you start seeing problems in late spring, early summer. Oh, okay, great. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the call, Barry. Appreciate you listening in Cartersville, GA, 404-872-0750. Grant calling from the North Lake area. Hey, Grant, welcome to the show. Oh, is Grant there? I'm here. How oh, are you? Hey, good Good to hear from you. I am great. How can I help you today? I've had autoleukins probably 10 to 15 years. And this year they started to yellow, some of them. And the leaves started to yellow and then start dying out from the middle. It's almost like a man start going bald from the top. <laughs> that's, that's a good metaphor. I like that. Yeah. So autoleukin and, uh, laurels, we love the ones that we have they are pretty sturdy, pretty easy to grow. They just have a few problems, and so I think probably what you're experiencing is root rot. That is so common. Oh. And again, when I talked to the guy about his hostas a little while ago, he had right. those indications of a leaf yellowing and then ultimately browning. And, of course, that's going to take out you know entire branches at a time. Oh, but So right. it's, it's going to be a water issue. And when the leaves start oh, wow. to turn like that, it's... It's, it's up to you to determine, was it too much water or too little? Because either way, it could go either way. But root rot, if that is the case, that's too much water, and it's just staying too soaked, and the roots can't keep up. So I would okay. make sure it, they're, you said they've, they're 15, you've had them 15 years, though? Yes. Oh, 
So I would see what's changed in that area, what may have changed in the soil, if some of it's eroded and now it's low-lying maybe and it stays really moist and really wet right there, if it's near a downspout or something like that where that area is just hanging on to too much moisture. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. So right now what you'll want to do is just prune out the dead spots for sure. Um, Okay. Maybe do some soil amendments and make sure that soil stays fluffy and airy and all of that. Um, and hopefully with better drainage, that'll, you know, shoot them back into life, I would hope. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for the call, Grant. Happy to help there. 404 Up next, Jan in Milledgeville, Georgia. Hey, Jan. Good morning. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Good morning. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. I recently bought two large mum plants, and of course, you know, they're barely barely open, so hopefully they'll be blooming for quite a while. But um, they weren't cheap, and my question is, I know it says they're an annual, although it's said on the thing that we are in the, um, you know, the, the proper planting area of the country, so that maybe they, maybe I can put them in the ground, but where and yes, could I, do you think they'll work so. as a perennial? I am self-admittedly one of the worst people when it comes to mums. This is the first year in my 38 years of life that I have actually been able to keep a mum alive from last fall to now. And I don't know what I've really done differently, Jan. So in Milledgeville, you're more of like, you're you're a warmer hardiness zone. You're like in the eights, right? Yes, so, yes we are. Yep. So yeah. So your your planting is going to be slightly different, but to me, the nurseries do have mums right now. I saw a ton at Pike Nursery yesterday, and you did very well buying the ones that still have a lot of buds, but they're not open yet. That's going to be your best chance for seeing, you know, elongated flushes of blooms and things like that. But I still am a little leery to put them in the ground right now, or if I pot them. I I would put them in a pot, but make sure it stays out of the direct sun because it's still just so darn hot. And any plant we plant, even though it is going into the correct season for that, none of them, even the summer plants, don't like that extreme heat stress. It's just so stressful to try to establish their roots and be sitting out and baking in the high 80s, low 90 degree temperature. So if you've already got them, keep them well watered while you're still deciding what to do with them. Were you going to put them in pots or in the ground? No, I wasn't going to put them in the ground until they're finished. They're in pots right now that they that I bought them in, and I have them on display in my yard and um, up at the front of our yard. And then I was going to wait until they were all finished blooming. And then my thought was, well, now they're done. Can I put them in the ground rather than just pitching them as a, as an annual? That, so they're not in they're not in the ground. They weren't going to be in for a while. You know. I I would keep them in the pots because, like I said, I am I am probably one of the worst people to ask. But there's so much that could go wrong over the wintertime with putting them in the ground. Um, and I did this this one year. I've tried trial and error so many different things. And this one year that I was only able to keep it alive through the wintertime was leaving it in a pot and having control over where I moved that pot and being able to cut all the dead stuff back because I didn't go out to my yard as often. But that pot was right there, you know, in sight of mind because I saw it all the time. So and able to, to really bring it in, whether you're protecting it from direct sun or whether you're protecting it from a frost or just cold wind or something like that, being able to move that pot around. So uh, I, I would keep it in a pot 
and not in the ground just yet. And if you want to put it in the ground, maybe wait till spring to do so. Thanks for the call. We got to take a break and we'll be back and talk to Cynthia and Hapeville next on Green and Growing. You're listening to WSB. Finley Roofing sponsors the weather update. We always come back and let you know what to expect over the weekend. So 40 to 60% chance for showers today. Highs in the mid-80s, according to Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz. And tomorrow, the chance for showers increases in the afternoon. 40% chance and thunderstorms through Tuesday. Highs around the mid-80s. And then it does start to dip down a little bit. The highs are like around 76, 77 come Wednesday, Thursday after this rain. I love that. Stay tuned for his complete forecast coming up in 10 minutes. And Jan and I were just talking about mums. And I mean, I shouldn't have answered her question by prefacing it with, I am not the foremost expert on mums because I don't keep them alive very well um, and, and overwinter them. But coming up is Pike Nursery, Kara Mulvey, one of the store managers. And we're going to be talking about mums and asters. So hopefully, Jan, if you're able to stick around for another 10 minutes or so, I'm going to ask Kara uh, your question and make sure that I gave you the right advice. 404-872-0750 is the number. Who was I going to talk to next year? Cynthia in Hapeville. Hey, good morning, Cynthia. Welcome to the show. Hi. Um, I am calling because I have a backyard with the cement soil that you described uh, earlier. Georgia red clay, yep. Well, there's clay underneath, and there's literally gray cement-looking soil on top. Mm-hmm. No grass will grow, and I don't know if I should be using compost or something from the, you know, I, what what can we do to soften up and amend this whole soil backyard so that I can grow some grass yeah. or something? Now, tilling the soil is going to be most important, number one. And a lot of people over-till. There is a, a way of doing it too often um, and crushing some of the oxygen pockets and air pockets that it needs. But if you've not done that, that's essential to the process just because it does bring oxygen into the soil and it's more attractive for all the organisms that kind of do their thing and keep the soil healthy. So once you've tilled in all kind of soil amendments, and over time, though, a lot of that, whether it's compost or different things that you bring into the soil, a lot of that does break down and decompose and it just kind of disappears because it cooks Um. it cooks away so to speak so it's kind of an ongoing process for a couple Mm -hmm. of years until you get it to the substance that you want it and an ideal soil is going to be moist enough to where it sticks together in your hand but Mm -hmm. clumpy enough to where when you run your fingers through it it's going to kind of piece out of your hand and and fall to the ground. So tilling number okay. one is, is definitely what I would recommend. And before you do anything too deeply into the soil, you know, do the Georgia uh, 811 before you dig and make sure there's no gas lines, power lines, utility lines, any of that. But tilling is number one, putting in all kinds of good soil amendments. You can go to the nurseries and the big box stores and really see what you need there. Um, if you've got any compost or have access to compost, and if not, manure is going to be great. And when you put manure towards the top layer of the soil, that's going to draw all kinds of creatures that will feed on it come springtime, and they bring that manure down into the soil 
and that stays in there and the soil retains that manure much longer than some of the compost and things that we add to it. So they work it into the soil for you. And I know that's going to smell and I know it's not going to be attractive. So once you do that, you'll probably want to put a layer of mulch or something like that. So you're not quite ready yet, Cynthia, to where it's it's in a, any prime condition for uh, grass seed yet. But I think that's a good start if you've got the time and the money to do it. Do you have a little bit of time to wait? Um, well, that's what I was really trying to do was experiment and, and see, you know, with small patches and, and see what looks like it might work. And then I figured maybe by next spring I can have grass maybe? Or yes. Not yet. Yeah, that um, definitely could be a possibility for sure. And the most important thing so that you don't waste your money when you seed for a lawn is that it gets good seed to soil contact. So that doesn't mean the seed just setting right on top of the soil and we just hope that it's going to water it in. It almost needs to be raked through and combed in and brushed in and all that kind of stuff. And with your soil condition now, that's not going to be possible. So start shopping around for soil amendments. Talk to your local county uh, agent, your extension office about maybe where they have manure, composting, that kind of thing and get started. You may want to buy it by the truck full. More of your calls and Pike Nursery coming up here in less than 10 minutes. Stay tuned to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Half an hour left to go in the show, and Dave Baker is already chomping at the bits to get in here and start the Home Fix It show. Nine to noon, and then it's Bulldog Football. We are bringing you a best of because we know you're getting ready for football season. So that game, a best of, an old game, will air at noon right here on your home of the dogs. So we've had some great calls, and I want to continue that. Up next on the phone is Kara Mulvey. She is the store manager of the Holcomb Bridge Pike Nursery. They're very close to Roswell, but Alpharetta. Good morning, Kara. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me back. So this is going to be a good discussion, mostly about moms, because I've started the show off by just saying how overeager, anxious, and ready I am for fall, and that is number one other than a pumpkin number one fall plant that we absolutely love and talk a little bit about asters too because if if you don't have luck with mums don't worry you have another option for fall color right yeah you do um mums are great they i typically use them as like a container plant in a um in a nice looking pot on my front porch um but you can also use them like we have them already built into like a decorative pot so you can use them as like an additional. Um, they're easy. I do recommend keeping them in containers until they're done blooming. You can plant them in the ground once they're done blooming. Um, but typically, most people use them as annuals. They're never going to look the exact same. They're never going to keep that bowling ball shape um, after they're done blooming and after this year. They're going to definitely stretch next year, look a little leggier than they do when you buy them in a grower pot from a nursery um, for that fall season. They come in all different kinds of colors. Um, they are Most of them are going to be reds, yellows. We do have white. Um, we get them in pink. Um, so there's a bunch of different pretty colors that they come in, and they definitely have that 
fall color. Um, and, you know, in the ground, they will grow to about three to four feet tall mm-hmm. and about one to three feet wide. Um, but again, they're not going to keep that, you know, compact bowling ball shape yeah, in you, the ground. And you don't have as much control over them. That's what I was telling Jan, which I'm only speaking from experience to where if they yeah. just get so much hot, direct sunlight in the summertime, my yeah. leaves started having some of the green drain out of them and they became a very pale, pale green and some of the leaves even curled up. So at least... If you keep them in a pot and do try to overwinter them, you can bring the pot up against the house to protect from frost or wind or from direct sunlight more in the summertime. So you're constantly, it's a game of moving them in and out. But this time of year, they love the amount of sun they get in the fall, the cooler soil temperatures. And give us advice when we do head to Pike Nursery. And y'all already have them out. I saw them there yesterday. Which Mm -hmm. one do I pick out? How do I know which is the best mum to pick out? So it depends on like, what you're looking for. So if you're having, you know, a couple people over over this weekend, you could go with something that has a little bit more color on it. Me personally, I pick the ones with the heavily buds Mm -hmm. and then maybe a couple sporadic blooms on it because that's going to give me the longest lasting bloom time. Um, They can last anywhere from one to two weeks to two to four weeks, um, depending on how much sun they are and the consistency of watering. Watering is a huge deal with mums to um, make sure you never water on the top of it um, and you don't want like a fan watering. You want to use like a pencil nose type um, watering can that really just gets directly into the soil because if you water from the top, it's going to split the mum open. And I'm sure a lot of people have had that over the years where you get like a dead spot in the middle on the top from watering. Um, So definitely try to use a pencil nose watering can and water it from the side. um, And don't try to get any water on the blooms on the top. Now, let me ask you, when we see them in the nursery right now, before we pick them up, the number of buds that are already set on the plant Is that it and we're just waiting for each of those to open or are they going to continuously now still set buds and the flowers will go for the next two or three months? No, it's it's what you see in the nursery, the amount of buds you get, that's kind of what you're looking at for the bloom time. Um, That's why they don't bloom for months on months. They just kind of do the couple week bloom um, and then they're dead. I definitely recommend deadheading. It doesn't promote new blooms, but it does keep the plant looking clean. And what kind of fertilizer just to make sure the green stays popping and they look fresh and they look nice? Uh, You could use like an Osmico or a We Carry what's called Annual Bloom. Um, It's from Dr. Earth. It's an organic product, so it's really hard to burn a plant. Um, But the annual bloom will definitely help keep it going for a little bit longer. Okay. I saw a cute t-shirt on a uh, garden Facebook page that I'm a part of, and it it was a cute little t-shirt. It says, I feel bad for the mums I'm getting ready to buy, (laughs) just because that's someone (laughs) like me who just, I want so badly to make them perennials, but you're best just buying them every season from Pike Nursery, Mm -hmm. enjoying the fall colors for a month or so. But another alternative, like we talked about for that fall color is asters. So describe those to folks. Those are a lot different flower. They are. um, Asters are going to keep more of their compact shape. They only get about one to two feet tall. They start blooming in late summer and go into fall. You're going to get a different color um, base from that. You're going to get more pinks and purples, and it's like that deep purple um, that you just don't really get from mums. Um, So if you still like that color, 
um, that's like more brighter. Um, Asters are the way to go. And you can automatically put those guys in the ground um, because they're going to keep that compact shape. So if you're looking for something like a mum to put in the ground, I would go with asters. Good. And and they're okay with a layer of mulch and they'll be fine in the ground. And then they attract late season pollinators too, which is they great. They do. Butterflies, bees. Um, the butterflies in the greenhouse are loving the asters right now. Love it. All right. So, Kara, if we're ready to go to Pike Nursery and we're new to the area or we just have not shopped for flowers before, how do we find your locations? Uh, you can go on our website at pikenursery.com. Um, and we actually, here at the Holcomb Bridge store, West Cobb and Marietta, we also have online orders available as well. And it's soon to be open to the entire company. Oh, wow. That's great. All right. Well, <laughs> Kara, happy planting this weekend. Yes. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll talk to you next time. And also, when you head to Pike Nursery, too, sign up to be a Play in the Dirt member. That'll get you rewards. You can track what you're buying. And also the lifetime guarantee on um, shrubs as well. So you'll be able to kind of track that. Hang on to those receipts, though, for the shrubs. And they have a lifetime guarantee. Pike Nursery does if anything were to go wrong with that. And I have had to redeem that once. No questions asked. No problem at Pike Nursery. 404-872-0750. Up next, George in Sandy Springs. Good morning, George. Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. So you've got one of the toughest, most hardy weeds out there, and as soon as you say it, people's skin is going to crawl. What is it? Uh, Dallas grass. Ah, so what lawn is it, and what grass are you trying to save? Uh, I've got some a Bermuda 419. Mm-hmm. And it's just been really difficult. The Chemlone uh, places, the chemical treatment company that I has have just has not been able to kill it. Uh, I did use some MSMA uh, Target Six Plus. Uh, that seems to kill some of it, but it still spreads like wildfire. It does. It does. So this this takes well into a season or two to get sufficient control on Dallas grass and really a three-prong approach. And George, you sound pretty wise on gardening, so I don't want this first one to sound like a cop-out, but telling everyone else for weed prevention, number one, is the more you can strengthen your lawn, make sure it's, it's tough. The root system is strong. It's getting the right fertilization. It's the right lawn for the right amount of sun that you get. The hardier the lawn, it's going to have the strength to choke out the weeds, okay? But spot spraying, obviously, Dallas grass with... Uh, glyphosate, something like that, spot spraying a post-emergent is going to help you a little bit of step number two. But of course, that's not getting to the root of the problem and the source of the problem when we spot spray. And you have to be so careful with something non-selective like a glyphosate, like Roundup, because it's going to kill everything else it comes in contact with. So unfortunately, it would leave you with dead spots in the Bermuda. So getting around to what's really labeled for Dallas grass control, you mentioned some of the products you've used Fusilade is one of the other, any product that has Fusilade is one of the other ones that's good for Dallas grass control. It's got to be applied at the right time and just really doing that religiously a few times a year and keeping up with the pre-emergent as well is going to be one of your best bets because we know the Dallas grass has those terrible seed heads and they just don't go away. So is is, is that one of the ingredients of anything you've used? Uh, it's called Fusilade. Mm-hmm. Yep. F-U-S. I-L-A-D-E, Fusilade. 
So I you'll be think... able to maybe go on Amazon or some of the big box stores and just take your time and look at the, the ingredients labels on a lot of those um, herbicides. That's S-U-S, S like Sam, U-S, Sam? Um, yes, yes. Well, F is, F is in Frank. Oh, F is yep, in Frank. Yep, Fusilade, yeah, F-U-S-I-L-A-D-E. Um, and then just, you know, applying that at the right time by the, by the label directions, diluting it properly and all of that, making sure you're doing the right amount, the right application. That's going to be a good start for the Dallas grass. So, yeah, and George, I mean, too, empowering yourself and, and knowing that you have that good line and open line of communication with any lawn care companies that may be treating the lawn and really being honest about what you feel is not effective enough and what treatments they're offering as well you know, protect yourself as the consumer and make sure you're communicating that well to any lawn care company that you may use. If you're not happy with the results, sometimes you have to take matters into your own hands or shop around. We've got time for one more quick call, 404-872-0750. Grace in Norcross, hey, welcome. Good morning. So what's going on? I'd like to add, well, I want to give Carol's Pikes a quick PS. They have the best gift shop. I have wandered around that gift shop so many times and it's a gardener's dream. So let me just throw that in. I couldn't help myself. Here's my problem. I planted some daylilies last year and I'm a real good planter, but I did not water them well. And I planted them in June and they are just puny. And I had the same thing happen to some Stellas. And I'm wondering if those rhizomes are just shriveled up and if they're ever going to recover. I tried the rest of the year to really take care of them, but they're still puny and I don't know what to do. And while they were dried out, you didn't try to fertilize or anything, did you? No. Okay, good, good, because that would have done more harm than good. Um, honestly, you know, you're just probably going to have to wait and see how they do next year because it's going to be hard to tell, you know, from now. Um, I, I don't want you to risk digging up. If it's not time to divide them and all of that, I wouldn't want you to risk digging up now and disrupting them anymore. But I would just wait. But, I mean, really what they need is that full sunshine, regular watering, and ample fertilizer when the time calls for it. So do you think you'll be able to just kind of wait one more year and see? Because you might be surprised. I mean, Grace, those are so forgiving, and especially if they're established, maybe they did have a puny year or you're getting a little more shade than you used to if trees or shrubs around them are growing up a little bit and they're not, you know, that could also be a factor. They're not getting as much sun as they're used to. But could you be patient and wait just a little longer? Well, I can, but I, I'm also willing to dig them up and soak them in a bucket with vitamins if you think that would do any good and then replant them. What do you think about that? I, I don't know because any anything that may be in the, the vitamins or something that you're soaking them in may be giving them the wrong hormonal signals to start doing something now that they're not designed to do since they are starting to go into the dormant phase. So I wouldn't want to reinvigorate them at this time Um, And soaking them, that's just a little, like, too much too late, I think, at this point. So I would leave them. I wouldn't worry. I would enjoy your holiday season, kind of go through the wintertime and not worry about them. But give me a call in the spring, and we'll get ahead of it, and we'll make sure you've got daylilies that are going to keep you happy. But I I think you might be okay. I don't think it's the the be-all, end-all, I hope, hope, hope. Grace, thanks for the call. We're going to be right back. Stay tuned for the final thoughts here of Green and Growing on WSB.
In the last few moments of the show, I'm going to give you a weather update. Today and tomorrow are very similar with rain chances 40% or higher. Higher uh, likelihood of afternoon storms tomorrow. So get done what you need to get done early in the day. And for today, we could see it at any time. Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz is along with the complete forecast in 10 minutes. I'm going to leave that to him because I'm not so great at forecasting the weather. 404-872-0750. Debbie in Big Canoe. Hey, welcome to the show. Hi, Ashley. Um, Yes, I live in Big Canoe, and we have a big uh, deer problem here. So the last uh, four or five years, I've had to have most of my plants, uh, shrubs, in containers. And I have about six established, like hydrangeas, Japanese maples, limelight, rhododendrons. And um, now we have put up a deer fence, and I am working on my um, yard to uh, plant all those shrubs. And I'm wondering if, since they're established and in big pots, if I should uh, plant them this fall or wait till spring. Fall is a great time to do any kind of transplanting because it it, it gives the plant cool enough weather, an extended period of cool enough weather to really get the root system going before it's interrupted by either the heat that comes after the spring or it happens before the frost. So now would be a great time to start transplanting some of those things. And the most important thing is, A, after transplanting them, they receive the right amount of water. And also mulching is a great idea. I would invest in many, many bags of mulch just to make sure that they are protected from the winter. And also, when you're thinking about deer and keeping them away, there are plants that are deer resistant. None or, you know, just absolute guarantee deer won't eat them because they surprise us and they'll eat just a little bit of everything. But there's a great list on Walter Reeves' website of some deer resistant plants and something that you could maybe consider if you don't want to use any kind of chemical or repellent or anything like that. So these will at least fend them off or just they find them less attractive, something with textured leaves different scents. So also, if you're considering incorporating something new into the landscape, Debbie, go to WalterReeves.com, R-E-E-V-E-S, WalterReeves.com. Just type deer resistant. And there on the list of articles that he's written, deer control resistant plants. And there's a very good list. And there's even some from other cities that they throw in another few options. But there's a lot of bulbs and herbaceous plants that they may find unattractive. So that could be a good start in considering some new things that you want to plant now and enjoy if they're spring flowering bulbs and just perennials in general. So thanks for the call. Betty and Stone Mountain mold in your lawn. Just a guess. I'm going to guess it might be slime mold. If it looks kind of gray and silvery, that can be rinsed off with a garden hose. That will cause lawn to suffocate, though, if not treated. And Nora and Lilburn, I'm so sorry I didn't get to your call about growing cilantro. We got to get out of here. I got to wipe down the studio to make it COVID-free for Dave Baker and the Home Fix-It show he is in next. And then the Georgia Bulldogs rebroadcast beginning at noon today. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. I really appreciate it. Extend your time over for gardening this weekend. Reach out to me on the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB. Can't wait to hear from you. Have a good weekend. I'll be back Monday with Triple Team Traffic. I'll talk to you soon.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.